Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. And I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, we're going to talk today about an amazing organization. It's called ADAC. Uh, it's the Association of Death Education and Counseling, and they call it ADEC, ADAC. It's actually an organization, the study of grief and loss, and to bring people together in all sorts of fields uh, professionally. I like it because it's an interdisciplinary organization. Mm-hmm. And they have great conferences. Um, During this COVID pandemic, I think one of the things that's really interesting is how the organization is coming to support the members. We're going to be talking today about caregiver support during and after the COVID-19 pandemic. And we have a wonderful person joining us today, Dr. Phyllis Kosminski. Uh, Phyllis is the president of ADAC. She is a therapist in private practice and at the Center for Hope in Darien, Connecticut. She is the author of two books, and she is an adjunct lecturer at Fordham University. Welcome to the show, Phyllis. Hello, Heidi. It's good to see you. Phyllis's own daughter has been diagnosed with COVID, and Heidi is just recovering. My daughter uh, you know, works in the hospital, and the first patient that came into the hospital where she works had COVID-19, but they didn't know it at that point, and she did an exam on this gentleman, and he was later uh, diagnosed. Uh, So at that point, uh, she was put into quarantine Mm -hmm. and within a week started exhibiting symptoms and remained in quarantine for 10 days and became asymptomatic at that point. But what I wanna say is that their initial plan had been to keep everyone who had been exposed in quarantine for two weeks but Mm -hmm. what started happening in her hospital was that they realized that first of all the period of time during which somebody could develop symptoms was actually not two weeks closer to a month and they couldn't keep all of the doctors who were exposed in quarantine for a month because as everybody out there knows there's an acute shortage medical staff, there's an acute shortage of medical equipment and protective equipment and everything else. And so she's back. And so she's back. And and I will say that the time that she spent in quarantine was the worst time for her because all she wanted was to be in there helping. And now that she is in there helping, I see the spirit of uh, my daughter and of all of the people who she's working with, Gloria, and they are, you know, from the, I mean, they are just in it full tilt. Um, you know, they're just in it full tilt, uh, you know, to help people. And um, it's, it's inspirational. And she doesn't like it when people call her a hero because this is what she does. Um, but I think a lot of people feel as I do that people who are doing this work really are Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, yeah. I absolutely do. And, and I love that she doesn't feel that she wants to be called a hero. I do feel like all of our first responders and doctors are heroes. And I know that you saw this, Phyllis. They did a two-minute clap in New York City the other night. And mm-hmm. uh, it just, I wasn't there. I, you know, I wish I had been there just for that. But uh, it was... Say what that was, Heidi. 
It was a two minute clap that everybody did out their windows. Okay. It was a cheer and a clap for all the first responders, all the doctors, everybody, anybody that's still working and on the front lines in New York. There's a tremendous amount of unity right now. I mean, there's a spirit of unity that we really haven't seen in my memory. You guys are giving counseling right now. Yeah. Heidi's giving counseling uh, in her home right now because of the internet, we're able to do that. I just got off the phone, you know, certainly with, with one client who, like a number of my clients, uh, has an underlying health condition, mm-hmm. and uh, she is understandably, uh, you know, terrified of what's going on. And you know, she had a very painful conversation this morning with her mother, who wanted, you know, her 80-year-old mother, who wanted to come and see the grandchild, right? Mm-hmm. And she doesn't, you know, understandably doesn't want anybody coming into the house. So one of the things that I'm seeing, and I know that this takes many forms, but one of the things I'm seeing is just the kind of conflicts and problems that come up for families when everybody is together. And of course, another huge issue for people is not being able to see loved ones who are ill. All of these, uh, you know, these gatherings that are so meaningful for people when they do have a loss, all of the support that people seek and and need, uh, the social support that people need, you know, isn't available to them. Within ADEC, uh, you know, one of the things that we've been doing is, you know, we've had a lot of um, online conference type, you know, gatherings. Um, We have a series of uh, interviews actually that um, our uh, my friend uh, Jill Harrington, who I think you know, mm-hmm. uh, Jill is putting together a series of six uh, panel discussions on a range of topics, and those uh, discussions are going to be videotaped and they're going to be on our website. And you know they cover a range of topics. One of them is going to be with uh, Bob Niemeyer about uh, meaning making. Uh, my, my good friend, uh, Jack Jordan, is also going to be talking about uh, just the stresses and the uh, managing those stresses. And um, somebody is going to be talking about how to help children uh, with their concerns around, um, around COVID. So, you know, we're trying to, uh, you know, put together some resources that are useful for our membership but also for the general public so that yeah. they can get some, some information cool. there. We were obviously very disappointed about not having our conference. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you know, that conference is an opportunity not just to get together and learn things, but really to see each other and mm-hmm. the relationships that we have in ADEC and all of our, all areas of our lives are such mm-hmm. a source of, of strength. And so what we've been trying to do is to organize an online uh, gathering that'll take place um, to simulate some part of what we would have talked about um, at the meeting so that we can recognize award recipients, so that we can really just check in with each other. Um, an, another friend of mine has had uh, a weekly uh, virtual cocktail party. Mm. Uh, someone else has had a, a virtual dinner party. You know, I think that what's happened is that we've realized that there's a big difference between physical distancing and social distancing. We can't do anything about the physical distancing. Yeah. We really can do something about maintaining our social connections, um, whether it's being in an online support group, um, calling 
friends and family members, and really making a point, making a point of arranging to have contact with people who you care about, regular, regular contact, because we know that isolation is not good for our mental health. It's not good for our physical health. And yeah. so maintaining those contacts. And uh, I want to tell people that there's some hotlines going on right now toward domestic violence, if you look online, and, which has been increasing, and mm -hmm. uh, suicide hotlines and just support groups. And, and call, those, call those phones because that's why people are there volunteering to, to hear from people who need to get some support. Making a, a distinction between the social distancing and the physical distancing. Because, you know, initially everybody was talking about social distancing, but we need to stay connected. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, for me, I would say, you know, exercise has been important and I haven't been able to do it. And I was quarantined in my bedroom and I didn't see anybody. But one day I just woke up and said, you know what? I'm going to walk 10,000 steps in this bedroom today. Wow. <laughs> Even though this bedroom is small and I did it. I put on the Fitbit and I did it because it gave me a goal. Also, online yoga classes have been amazing. My sister is doing one right now through uh, Silicon Valley Baron Baptiste Yoga. So, you know, there's a lot of online free yoga classes that have been really phenomenal that I've tapped into. And yeah, just staying connected on the internet to people, on the phone, texting. You know, since I came forth with my COVID-19, you know, results, I have had an unbelievable amount of support from people and I think that we're all in this together this can impact all of us and but you like you said to keep it in perspective also because at the end of the day most people that get COVID-19 will recover unfortunately all won't but most will that doesn't mean that the country's not in a crisis because they are and I don't want to minimize those that are that are Phyllis's daughter is working with to save lives right now because there are those that lives need to be saved. How do I deal with my fear, my anxiety, and the fact that I've had a loss? Well, you know, I think one of the, um, there are a number of reasons why during this period, grief is especially hard. And I, I you know, one of the reasons obviously is that people who are grieving are already going through a difficult, emotionally difficult time, right? They're already uh, and maybe at the limit of what they can manage emotionally. And this is just an additional stressor. At the same time though, you know, the pro part of the problem is that because of so much attention being focused on COVID, um, people who are grieving, we don't have the social support that they had from people who are dealing with the stresses related to the, the pandemic. And so, you know, I think one thing is to think about getting involved with some kind of online support group so that they can connect with other people who are also grieving. You know, I think that sometimes also when people are grieving, they tend to get aggravated when people get upset about trivia. So, you know, I'm hearing from people about how, you know, they're tired of, of hearing about how people can't get toilet paper, you know, when they've lost, you know, a loved one. Do you know what I'm saying? So I think some of that, uh, you know, divide between people who are grieving a loss and people who are dealing with what from their standpoint are trivial concerns kind of expands. So, you know, I think it can be important to connect with people who understand what you're going through. I think a lot of the things that people do, Gloria, to make contact with loved ones who are gone when they aren't in this situation are, you know, are, are still, you know, are still relevant here. 
you know, the, the memorial rituals that they have, uh, you know, the journaling, you know, mm -hmm. any kind of ongoing communication and contact that they maintain, uh, you know, with their loved one. You know, some people feel that, and this has been interesting to me, some people say, I only wish that my mother or my father, if, if, if only they were here, this would be so much easier. And then I've heard other people say, thank God my mother and father are here because this would be so terrifying for them. So I've actually heard some people say that in a way it's a blessing um, that their loved one isn't here uh, to have to go through this. So it's a variety of- What will people do um, like the can't sit Shiva or whatever? Will, will they delay it? Yeah, I think, you know, it's an interesting question. I mean, the same is true. Look, we have Passover coming up next week. I'm sure yeah. that there are going to be a Easter lot of- Easter is coming up. Um, right, I, right, Easter. I'm sure there will be, you know, a lot of online celebrations. And I think that just as there are online funerals taking place, I think that there will be online shivas taking place. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I haven't been invited to any myself, but I wouldn't doubt that that's something that people could do. The other thing, of course, is that people will delay uh, some of these memorial services. People mm -hmm. will hold some kind of small service now, and then they'll plan some kind of a memorial gathering when people are able to get together and actually physically comfort one another. Well, Heidi, April 2nd is the day that your brother was killed, and that's coming up for us. And my question is to you, what suggestions have you got for our family? Maybe getting together on a Zoom call and, you know, we can share stories about him, mm -hmm. about Scott and childhood memories, and maybe share it with some of the nephews and nieces who didn't know him and my own children. Um, we could light a, lighting a candle. I always light a candle for him. I always love the candle. Yeah. Everybody can do that. Yeah. So uh, raising a toast in his memory and his honor. And I know, Phyllis, your mother died when you were nine, right? Yes, she did. Do you have a special day that you, you, know, that you celebrate or remember? Do you have know, any I think probably, you know, Mother's Day is probably the day when I tend to remember her. But um, to be honest, I think even now, uh, she's with me so, so much of the time, particularly uh, since I had my daughter, because there are just a lot of parts of my mother that live in my daughter. Um, so I would say I, I think of her, uh, you know, and feel connected to her quite a bit, um, not just on special days. One of the things that binds us together, not just in, as people who work in this field, but really at a much deeper level as human beings is that we've had these experiences and some people see these experiences as injuries, but I really see them as, as portals in a way, um, because I think that when you've experienced a loss, there's an opening and through that opening, you're able to connect to other people. I think that's where empathy comes from. I think it's where compassion comes from. Um, and I think that's really what's most needed right now is, you know, that sense of supporting one another. Mm -hmm. Well, Phyllis, thank you so much for being on the show today and for all the wonderful work you do in the world and to help people. And the same to you both. Thank yes, you. Phyllis, thank you so much for everything you're doing right now and for how you're raising awareness out there. And mm -hmm. I know your daughter doesn't want to be considered a hero, but thank you for her. <laughs> 
and everything that she's doing. And yes, I think your mom's spirit definitely lives on through both of you. Thank you. Be well, both of you. You too. And thanks everybody for joining us on the show today. And Heidi, hope you visit us at Open to Hope. And we always want to remind you, if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own. And God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.